every once in a while we get a set of scripture readings for a Sunday that can make it a little difficult to croak out that thanks be to God at the end of the reading. It can be a real challenge sometimes to search out some good news in a set of readings that can seem so rigid and unbending. But that's where we are today, so here goes. Let's start with Genesis. Today's first reading is the creation story from Genesis chapter 2. Now, you probably already know that there's a different account of creation in Genesis chapter 1. In chapter 1, humanity is created last as the crowning achievement of God's creation. In chapter 2, much of creation is brought into being in response to the needs of humanity. In Genesis chapter 1, male and female are created at the same time. In Genesis 2, man is created first and woman second. Now that might seem at first, maybe, to be establishing a hierarchy of some sort, as if the man gets to be in charge because he was here first. But look again. At the beginning of the story, the man names all the creatures as they are created. And in the anthropology of the ancient world, to name a thing was to have power over it. So the man names each of the animals as they are brought forward. But they are unsuitable companions to him because they are not his equal. The woman, on the other hand, is made from the same stuff as the man and so is a suitable partner, specifically because she is his equal. It's really only after the fall, after sin enters the picture and their relationship has been disrupted, that he gives her a personal name. Let's look next at the gospel for today. It's hard to understand what Jesus is getting at here without a little bit of background. Until the time of Moses, the Israelites had no formal divorce. So there was no possibility of terminating a failed relationship. And so because of the people's stubbornness, their refusal to reconcile, Moses let them divorce. By the time of Jesus, divorce was easy, at least for the man. The man would say, I divorce you three times, and the woman could be put out on the street. In a culture in which women had no economic possibilities and really no social standing apart from her husband, this easy divorce was terribly abusive of women. And so Jesus appeals to the story of creation, Genesis chapter 1, by the way, and tells them that marriage isn't something that they can dissolve. It is forever. Furthermore, in the time of Jesus, because women had no legal standing, you could only commit adultery against a man. So for Jesus to say that a man commits adultery against a woman was a whole different way of thinking. The context of this whole gospel makes it clear that Jesus is really talking about protecting the marginalized. In his society, and to a great extent still in ours, this means especially women and children. But this saying prohibiting divorce introduces a whole new set of problems because we still have to deal with the reality of failed relationships and how we resolve them. 
And the way the church deals with this is through the annulment process. And it's pretty widely misunderstood and misrepresented. So let me say just a few words about it. We have these difficult words from Jesus in the gospel about the permanence of marriage. And so the church reasons that what he is talking about is sacramental marriage. If we can determine that what a couple had was not a sacramental bond, then we can declare the marriage annulled. The only way we can say that a sacrament didn't occur is if there was something wrong in the form of the wedding, basically a technical problem of some sort, or if there was something that prevented one or both of the parties from making a full and complete commitment at the beginning. An annulment, when it's granted, doesn't say that there was never any relationship, and it doesn't make children illegitimate. It just says that this relationship, whatever it was in all of its complexity, did not form a sacramental bond. So it's not what we mean when we say marriage. The purpose of an annulment process is to make a pastoral response to a difficult situation that will allow someone to try again. And it is admittedly an imperfect response to a difficult situation. My mother once proposed a different approach. Now, I'm reasonably sure she's watching our live stream right now. So hi, mom. This one's for you. My mom once told me that since Jesus told his disciples, what you hold loosed on earth is loosed in heaven, then we just need to have a ritual in which we say, we're declaring this one loosed. That makes a certain sort of sense to me, but it is yet another reason, I guess, why my mother will never be elected pope. So, sorry, mom. <laughs> These words of Jesus about marriage are one of the few places in scripture where the church takes him quite literally. And oddly enough, a lot of other Christian churches who claim to take the whole of the scriptures literally don't seem to have much of a problem with divorce. And I'm not sure how that adds up. But the fact is all of us have promises to keep. Many of us have relationships that challenge us to fidelity and permanence. The hardest thing for us is to remain faithful to our relationships and to the gospel without buying into some sort of closed trapping system for us. All of us fall short of the ideal of perfect, loving relationships. So it's not a surprise that even the church struggles to respond to these issues. Our ultimate goal is still the building up of God's reign as an inclusive community that acknowledges the gifts, the beauty, and the presence of God's spirit in every human being, and most especially in the most marginalized. The gospel establishes the ideal of marriage as a commitment of love for life. And the fact that many of us fall short of that ideal isn't a reason to change the ideal, but it does challenge us to respond with compassion and to see marriage as part of the gospel's call to live God's love in ways that draw all people closer to him.